Hello, and welcome to Women With Books. I'm your host, author, Lindsay Emery. This episode is a few days late. I apologize. I normally like to release on Monday morning, and now it's Tuesday afternoon that I'm recording this. But uh, we had a long weekend, and I've also been in the editing cave, wrapping up edits on my next book. As I said on my blog recently, editing cave is worse than writing cave. My husband complains that when I'm editing, he never sees me, and I stay up until 2 a.m. I send my editors long, rambling emails in the middle of the night. I post insane stories uh, on Insta stories. <laughs> um, yeah, follow me on Instagram if you want to uh, see insanity while I'm editing. Or not. <laughs> Maybe that I shouldn't be telling people to follow me. Um, but really, I'm, I'm a mess when I'm editing. I don't know what it is. It just it consumes me. Um, but you know what? I will give myself credit. I did manage to stick to my workout schedule while doing this round of edits. Basically, I got up every morning, six o'clock, um, got the kids ready, did my workout, read my emails from my editors, responding to my emails from midnight the night before. <laughs> I would shower and then get back to work until one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, super healthy. But I'm done now, and I can share this podcast episode with you featuring one of the sweetest and most prolific and smartest and exciting authors of my generation, Alyssa Cole. I do have one regret about this episode. I wish that Alyssa and I had both seen Black Panther before talking. Because after I saw this movie, there was so much that Alyssa and I could have unpacked about... Oh, God, my dogs are fighting. Okay, one second. Guys, can we not lay down? Thanks. Um, anyway, I, after I saw Black Panther, I just thought about Alyssa the whole time and about her new book, A Princess in Theory. And I wish that she and I could have both talked about... Um, so much in the movie that relates to her book, like the modern role of monarchies, the role of women in STEM, African kings and princess, princesses and princes, and, and um, you know, kind of how her new book, A Princess in Theory, relates to all that. And, and like I said, having seen the movie and talked to her, I can say, basically, if you love Black Panther... If you loved the um, representation of African culture, if you loved the smart woman scientists and the hotness of basically all the people, you should probably also just go ahead and buy A Princess in Theory now, okay? And, um, and or come back and talk to me about it <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I'm totally off base, but I don't think I am. Uh, this episode with Alyssa also kicks off a little mini-series I have going on this spring with authors of royal romance. And if you are crazy about Harry and Meghan, if you are um, love the story, the fairy tale stories, and you love the authors that write them, I'm going to have several of them on the podcast. It's kind of going to be a mini series uh, leading up to Harry and Meghan's wedding. Um, on my social media, you'll know I'm putting a little crown on the authors who are <laughs> the royal romance authors. So you'll see um, which ones you know they are and, and what we're going to be talking about. Um, 
so yeah tune into that i'm still gonna have some other uh (laughs) guests who don't write royal romance but still write really good books and uh we're gonna have those on too uh, for the rest of the season um so right here's the podcast uh remember please go leave a review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen um i'm loving hearing from people that they are loving the show and and what they they love about it so i really appreciate each and every one of you that does that i've got links in the show notes for books all the books that Alyssa recommends in the episode and the dress shop that she talks about, which is also completely adorable and is now on the cover of romance novels. So that's so amazing. But anyway, check it out. Welcome to Alyssa Cole. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I was excited to have you because you have a new book coming out that I am so excited about, A Princess in Theory. Can you tell us all about it? Um, I can. Okay. (laughs) um, A Princess in Theory is the first in the Reluctant Royal series, which is um, contemporary royalty romance. And the first book um, features, focuses on uh, Nalady Smith, uh, Smith, who is a grad student juggling multiple jobs in New York City. Um, she grew up in the foster care system. She kind of has learned that she can only really depend on herself. And uh, she is going to grad school studying um, infectious diseases epidemiology. And she also works as a waitress, among other things. Um, But she starts getting these emails um, saying, you know, you are betrothed to the prince of this African kingdom and, you know, basically starts getting, she starts, she ignores them. She thinks they're spam and then like they keep coming more and more frequently and she writes them off as spam. But of course they're not spam because she was betrothed as a child. Uh, She is from the kingdom of Deslo. She was betrothed to the prince and then her family uh ran away from the kingdom and the prince is on his way to new york he wants to he's finally his assistant has tracked down this woman that he's heard about all of his life and who he was supposed to marry so he wants to go confront her um when he confronts her she thinks that he is the new employee at her restaurant and that he is not she doesn't know that he's royalty so he kind of takes advantage of that And the book is about um, them getting to know each other, uh, her opening up to someone, him learning kind of uh, learning not to be a jerky prince and also (laughs) learning, you know, learning about life as a pauper to a certain extent. So there's a little bit of the prince and the pauper uh, coming to America and the princess diaries involved there. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was just thinking about um, Coming to America. I haven't watched that movie in so long, but now I want to watch it before I read your book. Just <laughs> It was one of my favorite movies as a child, so <laughs> it definitely, there, there are definitely influences on this book. <laughs> and when I was trying to remember, I feel like you've had this book deal for a long time. I mean, was it in 2016, maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe we talked about it or we were congratulating you at RWA in San Diego. 
Um, it might uh, not have been then, but that was one of the times I, think I saw you. And, and San Diego was when I was trying to, it was still not sold, but okay. um, I was like, you know, working on that, hope, hoping that, you know, it would no, be No, that acquired. would be 2015, no, 2016, yeah. Well, I bring this up because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bring this up because I want people, readers, to understand that when you got this idea and contracted for this book, you had no idea that there was going to be an actual American princess in 2018. No, I wrote it in 20, I wrote the, I started it in 2015, so the first draft was in 2015. Right. So it was, it was, yeah, it's a huge coincidence. And let alone an African-American princess. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, are you just generally psychic about all the book trends that are coming up or <laughs> I honestly have been having some like like you know unfortunately with the loyal league the the psychicness was that confederacy uh. <laughs> um I'm much more happy with the psychicness of a black American princess <laughs> that you know that's that's much nicer for everyone in the world um so yeah and it's funny because like this uh obviously the hero of this book is from that's the the African kingdom, which is based on the real kingdom of Lesotho. But, um, you know, there is a Harry type character who you'll meet in this book in future books. So it, it, it just has been very interesting to me because like, I was like, man, like I called this, like someone even asked me, uh, like, you know, when Harry and Megan first started dating and I was like, I called it and I called that it was going to be a black woman. I didn't say it. That part didn't go into the interview. But I was like, I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. <laughs> That's amazing. And then and then I was reading your blurb on Amazon last night. And um, it says something about African prince. And it suddenly hit me that your book is also coming out right after Black Panther releases next week. Yeah. And so I was like, well, gosh, she's going to get all these people who are like i need more megan and harry stories and then i need more black <laughs> i hope maybe so. a happy story about it I don't know. <laughs> maybe he doesn't I, have to be a superhero i really hope so and like um again that was something that like i didn't really know about when i was first writing it i obviously knew that black panther existed i love comic books but like um and i started reading later i started reading the coats uh run of black panther um but so yeah it has been really interesting seeing how I feel like all of these things that are just in the collective consciousness I guess come together at a certain point but it has been pretty funny like I'm like I need to write a book about uh and a romance author who becomes a billionaire <laughs> uh named Alyssa Cole <laughs> I think so. And she gets invited to have lunch with Oprah and I don't know, what else what else is on your bucket list? And you go on a yacht and Meet with Ava. Oh uh. yes. Yeah, you, Ava and Oprah can have lunch together and plot out. I the would next. just die. <laughs> that would be that would be the end. It would be like, Oh, Alyssa had to go to lunch with Oprah and Ava and then like just died. I was just That wouldn't be think- the happy ending, but well, I, that would I was be just- what would happen. Yeah, I was just thinking about this the other day because Oprah was posting all of her birthday lunch pictures and stuff and people were like analyzing it. Like, oh, what what does her tableware look like? What does her drinkware look like? And then I think I heard, I might be wrong about this, Brene Brown 
um, when she had lunch, it might have been somebody else. It was on a podcast. But when someone else had lunch with Oprah, she came back and people were like, "What did her, what did her flatware look like?" What did, and she's like, "I don't know. I'm I'm having lunch with Oprah. I'm not you know, <laughs> not looking at all that." But that's for us on Instagram to figure out. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so after whatever you're you're contractually obligated to write, then we'll. We'll see what the next uh, psychic predictions for <laughs> come out. Yeah, and don't write any more dystopian. No, 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 no. <laughs> the power, you have to use the power for good. <laughs> um, you have been a very vocal proponent, as many romance authors are, of feminist and diverse romance. In fact, just yesterday, I saw that in the Chicago Tribune, none other than Ms. Beverly Jenkins herself identified you as someone who was on the forefront of a new era of romance. And that's really awesome. Congratulations. Uh, but I was wondering how you, as someone who sees these issues in romance, or as other romance authors, who are trying to broaden the genre and make it, you know, more modern. How do you make the traditional princess romance fit in with all of that? Um, so I think for me, um, I like, and this is something I talk about sometimes when we talk about like femi- modern feminism and kind of um, things that are seen as feminist or not feminist. So for example, there, one thing I bring up to kind of illustrate this is, um, when the movie Hidden Figures came out, there was someone, uh, I'm not sure who it was, but they said something like, oh, well, it was great, but why did it have to focus so much on uh, relationships and marriage and stuff like that? It should have just focused on how like badass and intelligent the women were. And like, um, and the person who said this was white. And the reason why like this uh, makes a difference is because um, I feel like there, and when in general there are just like so many different facets of feminism, but um, marriage and the portrayal of Black women in relationships that are healthy and fulfilling is something that has is still not very common in pop culture or in the media. And like generally, the narratives about Black women in marriage are always something dire and something terrible or like something with some, you know, numbers from some statistics about single motherhood or something like that. So it actually was very important for that story to show, um, you know, this was a black couple and her being supported by her husband or her having a happy marriage and like the other facets of her life, because in general, black women have been shown as either single or strong or whatever. So that was um, that depiction in Hidden Figures I think was purposeful. It wasn't just there to say, oh, she needs a man or something. So like, that's kind of something that I think about when writing particular characters in particular with writing a princess and a black princess, um, because in general, you don't see many princesses of color in pop culture. And like, it's actually funny because someone, um, <laughs> someone it's funny like thinking about how the, the kernel for an idea can be in your brain for so long because um, someone, tweeted me or on Instagram, they had tagged me and they had, were showing a passage from um, Let It Shine, which was one of my first historical novellas. And the heroine of that book, who was also black, there's a line of her saying as a little girl to the hero, who was a little boy at the time, um, black girls can't be princesses, Ivan. And I was like, oh, I feel like 
so I feel like this that idea was in my head at the time of like um that generally we don't get to be shown in this way we don't get to be shown as royalty even though there is African royalty to this day so um I think you know you can take into account the problems in the monarchy and what royalty means to society in general but um what it means to pop culture is that this person is seen as valuable and uh we generally have not shown black women or other women of color in these kinds of positions of being valuable so um yeah that's how i kind of look at it from a feminist viewpoint like you could say okay well why don't you give her a sword instead but a tough black woman is not something new that's kind of the only roles that we've been relegated to in most of uh most pop culture and most media so i think being able to show a princess a modern idea of a princess and like um with from a different point of view from with a different background kind of it's just a different take on the princess but uh i I don't think it's like necessarily giving up any uh giving up any kind of feminist values or anything to do that yeah i mean i as i told you earlier um i've also got a, a princess book coming out and it's it's unfortunately it's not as cool as yours, but um, I'm sure it is. <laughs> but when I told, I was telling a good friend of mine, um, he's like, "What's it about?" And I told him, he's like, "Oh, you know, we just really, you know, my little girls are into princesses, and we're just really trying to tell them that they're worth more than that and stuff." And I'm like, "It, yeah. it took me a second, and I'm thinking like." Well, you know me. You've known me for so long. You know my political views. You know my feminist views. So I'm not writing like Cinderella waiting around for a glass slipper. But it did make me pause and think, I do need to be aware as I'm writing these archetypes, you know, who they're for, how they fit into a modern woman's life. And um, I don't know. But I agree with you about the strong woman thing is that I'm much more interested these days in how strong, how women, I'm going to have to edit that out, (laughs) how women can take charge of their lives or take charge of their countries with their words and their actions and their brains than a sword. And And, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to add to that. Like I see, like, you know, I get it when people say, oh, well, why do they, we don't need princesses, we need scientists and stuff like that. And my heroine is a princess, a scientist who does become a princess. But um, like, and that's basically it. Why not both? (laughs) Like uh, people, it's not like people who are royalty don't have any other skills. And like, maybe some of them don't. But um, like, you know, that's no one is just one thing. And I think in a way, I see it as like very reductive of what the role of a princess would be in the world. Like, it's not like you just sit there and smile and wave. Like, like that's part of it. And even that is very hard. Like, I have to say, like standing around smiling and looking perfect all the time is difficult. But there are also that's like, you know, and I think it's a similar argument to the idea of the first lady and like the first lady supporting the president and blah, 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 the, because thus far the presidents have all been male. 
um, and like, well, this is kind of, is it fair that they have to do all of these things? And, but like, first ladies in general are doing a lot of work <laughs> and it kind of gets reduced to like, oh, they're just being a, you know, a, a trophy wife to the president when you can look back and see all of the work and uh, programs that went, these women have implemented and things like that. So I think it kind of like, you know, I definitely understand the idea that little girls should have more to aspire to than being a princess. But also, I think we can definitely deepen the understanding of what a princess would be like a princess doesn't just have to be about someone being beautiful or someone um, being rich or whatever, like, I think there are many layers to it. And that can be examined in a way that doesn't reduce the reduce the heroine to just being to being just a princess rather right and i bet your african prince probably has what's his name again i'm sorry i don't want to keep calling him african prince (laughs) tabisa um i'm sorry say that again i couldn't tabisa tabisa yes okay um i should have written that down um but i bet he has some interest i bet you have some interesting things to say about what he has to do in today's modern world too is leading african country the whole like the series reluctant royals it's like dealing it's kind of trying to be an examination of you know it's fun romantic comedy but also in the background like you know discussing how um being a royalty probably is really not that much fun (laughs) like it's this thing that people see as like aspirational and everything but it's also hard work you give up you get obviously you get riches you get fame and in a way, it's just a different kind of celebrity. And you, I think it's always worth examining, like, what are the trade-offs? Um, what do people, what is the work that goes into these, uh, into these kinds of roles? So yeah, like for him, he's dealing with, um, you know, traditional versus modern and making sure that his people are happy with him and, um, that he's being he's the only heir to the throne he has no siblings and so he has all of that pressure on him of like he's basically the only future for his country and kind of you know the weight of that is on him even though he is kind of seen as this playboy um and could be seen as like you know not having a care in the world when in reality the entire future of his kingdom is on that weight of that is on his shoulders yeah, no big. Just just your whole country. <laughs> whole country rests on this epidemiologist in Brooklyn or New York. Don't worry about it. Um, and you've got a, a second book in the series coming out May, June? Um, July 31st. Oh, July. Okay. I, I, I took a stab. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It was close. Tell us about that one. It's something about Dukes? Uh, yeah. So the first in the first book... Um, now, Letty, the heroine, has a best friend um, who she's having some issues with. Her best friend is kind of a hot mess, and, like, they're working on their codependent relationship, um, which, you know, <laughs> doesn't scream romance, but I always kind of try and think about... I really enjoy reading romances where people's friendships are also a factor in their story because friendships in general, are an important part of people's lives. So uh, in this, and the second book is called The Duke by Default. 
And Portia is kind of flighty. Um, like no one real, like her family doesn't really depend on her. And like, she always kind of feels like she messes everything up. And, um, so she's like on this, you know, embarking on this new part of her life. She stopped drinking. She stopped going, like hooking up with random guys. Um, and she's trying to figure out what she wants for herself. And she gets, she ends up getting, um, an apprenticeship with a sword maker in Scotland and she's like very into learning things and uh, like, you know, she's a perpetual student, um, has like internships at art galleries and things like that. So she finds, she does this apprenticeship. Her family is not super happy about it because they want her to like stop being so flighty and kind of get serious and join their business. Um, but basically, uh, so then she is bringing all of her skills to this sword uh, to this armory that she has an apprenticeship at and like she gets there and the first thing she does basically is um, mace her boss <laughs> spray him in the face with pepper spray because she thinks he's attacking someone and um, so they don't get off on the they don't start off on a good foot and uh, she thinks he hates her obviously part of that is that he is dealing with his feelings for her um, and being a kind of a jerk about it. And so, you know, he has to deal with his own um, inability to be professional with this person that he's supposed to be helping. So it's also kind of like trying to examine the, the boss uh, work of uh, workplace dynamics. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. workplace dynamics. And then, um, but then it actually kind of flips because uh you know he sees her it's kind of this annoying rich american and he's like kind of grown up poor and um his mom was a chilean refugee who came over uh when pinochet after escaping pinochet's regime and um he doesn't know who his dad is like he grew up with his stepdad and you know his half brother and um he then finds out like she's doing research on the building because she's trying to do all of this stuff for the website and she uh, thinks it'll be interesting to for people interested in history like her to have stuff about the neighborhood and the building because it's, it's located in this like very old uh, building and then she ends up finding out that he is the secret son of a duke and because she's rich and he's not uh, she then becomes kind of like a Pygmalion you know she's like well I can help you learn how to interact with these people so she basically then is giving him duke lessons and they are uh you know they start they grow closer through that so um rich american woman giving you know etiquette lessons to her <laughs> to her scottish sword maker boss who is also an immigrant and oh yeah, my gosh, so, uh, yeah. stacked so much stuff in there. I can't even wait. And I am dying because, okay, I just uh, released a podcast uh, episode yesterday with Julia Kelly. And now I urge you to go listen to it because, uh, who you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we were just talking about Secret Sons of Dukes and how it's completely, uh, we've learned everything there is to know from romance novels that there are probably secret sons of dukes running around everywhere and maybe i'm the psychic too because i just figured out that you wrote that book <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah that aspect actually both things in this book are taken from 
I saw in like 2014, I think it's like 2014, maybe it was even earlier. It was like, you know, a, a random news story about a Scottish sword maker looking for an apprentice and how he was trying to keep the, you know, the Scottish sword making, um, you know, art alive. And I, at the time when I saw it, I was like, that would make a great, you know, <laughs> romance. And I actually got to talk to him for this book. Um, I want to send him a copy, although it might be very uncomfortable for him since it's the hero is a Scottish sword maker. I did not base it on him, um, but uh, but I did talk to him about it, and like he was very nice. Um, you know, I'll definitely share links to his stuff when I when I'm it's time for the book to come out. But um, it was just very interesting. But I did also see something and it was like around the same time, maybe, or like a couple of years later where there was like a, a guy found out he was the son of the Duke and he inherited all of this stuff. And like that guy was already rich, I think. So it was like, it was a big deal, but not like as big of a deal for him because he kind of already knew how to be, you know, around other aristocrats. But yeah, there are definitely in the modern day, people finding out their secret sons of dukes. And it's actually like really funny because doing the research for this, I was like, wow, there are like still dukes doing duke stuff. And I found, they were, I found like all these articles and like, you know, the Daily Mirror and all of this stuff about like, you know, kind of sad stories about what it's like to be a duke in, in modern times. Um, I had to so, do some yeah. of that research too, and it's sad because it is kind of sad because they, it's like their houses and stuff. They can't afford to keep their houses. Anymore, yeah, they have so to they make have them to... into like tourist attractions. And... Which is, I mean, I think anyone can understand if your house all of a sudden you couldn't pour, pay the mortgage and you had to, you know, open it up to just paying people. It's 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 stressful, even if it is a castle. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And also just like reading some, I was like, you probably read the same thing. It was like some interview with like six six modern duchesses or something. And it was just like these like sad rich people stories, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> I can't feel too bad for them. But it was, I was just like, wow, this is like really stuff that you would never think about being even middle class or like American rich probably <laughs> but like yes the, the castle is falling apart and we need to repair it and the stories always involve <laughs> them like walking down their portrait galleries yes. looking, yes. looking mournfully <laughs> up at like the lost days where you know Lord Hugh Ashcroft of oh, he you know he really saved it from King George and you're like yeah that's that's really interesting though that's what we that's what authors want to write books about like oh that craziness um your covers though i i just have to say and i i've told you before but your covers make me so happy and um the duke one i know is giving people a lot of feelings because of the <laughs> impressive forearms yeah see i like before you know before they do the cover shoot and stuff they like you have to send like kind of what you're and like before i do this i send like very detailed things obviously it's up to the discretion of the publisher and the artist and the photographer and all of that but like i tried to send like poses that i really felt embodied the characters and i was like forearms veins these are important like I feel like he needs to be like gripping her 
<laughs> like, and it's really funny when you're like writing this stuff out, like, can he be gripping? Please make sure he grips her. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then it turned out like really well, like when they sent the initial images, I was like, yes, you got the gripping, perfect. Um, so you didn't get to go to the photo shoots? I did I, not. Is it photo shoots? Okay. Um, for the first book, I did get to Skype in, and I, uh, Erica sang my editor at Avon FaceTimed me into the first one for a few minutes with, for Princess in Theory, which was, like, amazing because I think I scared them because I was just like, oh, my God, you guys are so beautiful, and, like, crying. And uh, the funny thing is that the 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 male model was like so sweet and shy, like, and I think I was just like high pitched screaming at him, and he was just like, oh, you know, like thank you. And he he also had a British accent. I need everyone to know that. <laughs> and, no, that makes it better because when you look at the cover, you can imagine. <laughs> yes, I was like, you British are. Accent. I was like, you are to be so for real. But um, he uh, he was very like nice and shy and like them together I was like oh my god you guys look so like you're in love for real this is amazing um but yeah like getting to watch the photo shoot and see all of that was for even just for a few minutes was really cool now were you involved in the dresses yeah picking out the dresses okay tell us about that um because so adorn the dresses come from adorned by nicole who is on um Instagram she and she sells her stuff on Etsy and basically uh a couple of years ago or a few two three years ago I started I found her stuff on Etsy I forget where I first got oh I needed a, a dress for the RT awards I think and I was like oh this, these dresses are amazing and like I got a few a dress and a skirt and like basically um I started like you know, every few months or before important events, I would like get a couple of items from her. Um, and I just really loved it. It's comfortable. All of the dresses and skirts have pockets. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're so, just like really so important. I-, I know. Like whenever I see people talking about pockets, I'm like, guys, all of my dresses and skirts have pockets because I'm Nicole. But um she does really great work, and I just really loved, like, the cut and the print and everything. So then when um, we started talking about cover stuff, I was, like, you know, trying to think about how I could com- how we could convey that this book is, like, it's a princess book, but also um, African princess, and, like, you know, I didn't want anything weird on there. So I was, like, why don't we just have her in African print? And I know this person who makes the, well, I don't know her. I buy from her, but I, you know, I, I get dresses from this person who makes really beautiful stuff. And like, so I just said to Avon, would you consider this? And they were like, yeah, that's great. And then, uh, yeah, they've, so they have been um, getting the stuff for the books from her. And it's just really great. Um, I'm happy because, you know, more people get to see her beautiful dresses, but also it just looks amazing and really striking on a cover. It looks and, amazing. It, and uh, I think that's part of what makes it, me feel so happy when I see it, is I think I, I knew part of that story. And so I knew it had extra Alyssa <laughs> on the cover. Uh, it wasn't just your name, like you had an impact. Um, 
and that there was a real story behind it and that the colors just really make it so happy and the couples look so happy um well maybe not yeah. the second one they don't look happy they look into each other yeah <laughs> yeah the first one when i saw it and like you know with the you know bright because you know obviously there are like several you can go through several iterations of a cover trying to find the right cropping and the right colors and all of that stuff but then with the final cover it really came out so great for princess in theory because yes yeah, so when i looked at it i was like i feel happy I feel like, you know, they really are having a good time and really care about each other and it's bright and like, uh, you know, I felt like it captured um, the mood of the book pretty well. And like, also, yeah, it just made me happy to look at it. (laughs) But like, at first I was like, you know, I don't know if this is just me because it's my book. But then when the cover came out, other people said that it made them happy. So I was like, okay, this is awesome because, you know, I I like what's inside of the book too, obviously. I hope other people like it, but just the cover being able to like kind of give people a little momentary boost (laughs) is also like a great bonus for a book. Huge. I can't wait. Um, But I have to ask you, you've kind of touched on this a little bit. Before you started writing the books for real, were you a royal watcher? I mean, do you... Do you follow I, all of them? Um, not particularly, uh, but I kind of grew up in that age of Princess Diana, you know, and like I also um, as a kid was obsessed with like I would get every newspaper at the uh, the checkout. So, you know, I was reading like the Inquirer, Weekly World News, <laughs> like every tabloid and, you know, every tabloid was obsessed with Princess Diana. So for like a good chunk of my childhood, I was just reading constantly just by virtue of reading all these tabloids. I mean, I was reading other things too, but like I was trying to read basically everything I could get my hands on. So it's like, oh, this, 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 this. And uh, so I kind of by default (laughs) uh, became like interested in royalty and also like, you know, Princess Diana was pretty and she had pretty dresses and she was nice and kind. And so like um, in general, uh, I think I'm just of a certain age where <laughs> where you couldn't help but, like, love Princess Diana. And, like, so then, of course, you know, and after she died and it was, like, so tragic and kind of keeping an eye, even if not, like, being super royalty watcher or getting, like, you know, those plates with her face on it or anything, but, like, um, knowing that William and Harry were growing up and kind of, like, keeping an eye on them even if not like obsessively watching what they're doing because and I feel like depending on like your age and what you were into you kind of like were always like they were kind of growing up alongside of us in a way but like in this spotlight so I guess like uh, you know this peripheral vision royalty watcher and always kind of being like oh okay that's good when something good happens to them but you know I was surprised I was surprised myself with how happy I was that like they seemed to be doing well and doing better and dealing with all of the their problems that came after their mom died so well given all that drama and like you you said before that being a royal is you know can be pretty hard work and pretty stressful are you nervous for our girl Meghan Markle at all I am she steps into her role I'm worried, but I think she has a little bit more preparation than just about anyone because she's an actress. So I think she, um, 
I think it will be hard for her, but I do think that she has, like, a kind of training that other people do not have, even other aristocrats uh, or other, you know, rich people who marry into royalty, because she knows to a certain extent what it's like to be in the public eye, like, not not like royalty, you know, obsessive, being followed by obsessive royal watchers. But she did have some idea of like, always having to think about her appearance, um, dealing with tabloids and paparazzi and like, kind of, because this is like the ultimate celebrity, basically, uh, becoming a princess. So I am worried for her. But I do think that she has uh, some experience that would help her adjust better and also she probably has a lot of resources that would help her that other people might not have like you know hopefully she can be like oprah what do i do right and she's older (laughs) yeah um actually i was just talking about this with um on my episode with jasmine guillory is um i think megan would probably reach out to michelle obama yeah, also, yeah. Too, because, yeah. you know, they now they pro- they must know each other now since Harry and Michelle are yeah. such good friends. Yeah. And um, I bet Michelle has some really good advice on how to deal with being in the public eye and staying fit and eating healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but you actually have something in common with Megan, too, is that um, you moved to another country after, um, I, I don't know if you got, it was after you before after you got married you moved to another island nation yeah just like she is so i'm like maybe she could reach out to you and get some advice (laughs) although at least she speaks the same language right yeah i mean if she wants any hints about speaking french badly (laughs) (laughs) i can i can hook her up with that (laughs) that i think i think that would be very handy um because i feel like harry probably speaks french badly too so they probably need they both need help um, but one so other thing, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say really quick that there is another black princess in Europe. Um, I was actually like getting looking at information on her because I was going to write some, like do a thread or something about her. But uh, Princess Angela of Liechtenstein is a black American princess. Um, but they got married before the advent of social media. I think it was like 2000 or something. So. There is also, she can also reach out to Princess Angela. Liechtenstein is obviously not as as prominent as, you know, Great Britain. So she wasn't getting the same scrutiny. But she does also have another black princess to reach out to. Was she American as well, Princess Angela? She was. She's uh, born in Panama. She's Afro-Panamanian. And she grew up in New York, I believe. Oh, wonderful. I, I, I did not know this either. I'm going to have to look this up. I yeah, I'm actually uh, worked like, in Panama for a bit, so I oh, feel cool. like I'll have another connection with another princess. <laughs> we were both <laughs> two, in the two same country. Two degrees of, of Princess Angela. <laughs> well, Panama is so small. Um, it, it probably is exactly two degrees yeah. between everyone there and a princess. Uh, well, you write in all sorts of genres, as we kind of alluded to before, which I love about you, um, except the dystopian. We're not going to let you do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but what's next? Are you writing more contemporary, more historical? Are we going into fantasy? What are we doing um, next? Right now, I'm... You know, and if you can't tell us, on... we'll, we'll respect that. <laughs> well, I'm still working on contemporaries, um, and probably historicals, but I'm also like, you know, trying to figure out what 
I do have other ideas I want to work on, but I'm just not sure which direction I'm going to go because I'm also trying, like, I basically have spent the last few years completely overwhelmed. <laughs> and I mean, I know, I feel like every author basically <laughs> can say the same thing, but I'm like really trying to organize, um, like not take on too much at once. So I need to really like, I'm in the process of really figuring out what I, what I can handle. Like I have so many things I want to do, but I'm trying to figure out what I can actually realistically do. And even when you think about what you can actually realistically do, what you can do without completely burning out. <laughs> because I think like so often we're like, oh, I was able to write this many books in this time period. So yeah, I can definitely like reproduce that. But you can't do that year after year without a real break. <laughs> so I think, yeah. Yeah, you can't do it year after year. And then you're also, once you have that many books out, you have that much more marketing and yeah. promoting to do. And that, that takes up podcasts, take up some time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, but you know, I, I do have ideas in various different genres. And I'm just trying to figure out what, I guess, what I want to put out into the world because some are a little darker, some are a little lighter, uh, some deal with heavier things, some deal with you know, not so heavy things. So I'm just trying to figure out what the, depending on like what, and also what I can like mentally manage because, um, you know, for the historical stuff, I'm uh, like the lot, I'm working on book three of the Loyal League, which was supposed to be done a long time ago. <laughs> But like once like real life politics kind of devolved into such a shitstorm. Uh, sorry, I'm re- are we allowed to curse? <laughs> yes, please. Okay. Please, especially uh, when it comes to real life politics. So yeah, I was like, and like, you know, that that was the problem with like writing a bit too, uh, being a bit too on the news with some predictions and writing. So um, I'm writing, I'm finishing up Daniel's book and Daniel, um, if you read An Extraordinary Union, Daniel is mentioned in that book. He is Elle's friend who was born free and he was kidnapped into slavery. Oh, and yes, I he, wanted his story. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, <laughs> I sound way too excited about that story. and I shouldn't be, but yes, please. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted uh, you know, that story. I'm, I'm finishing it up, and like, but it's just like very, uh, <laughs> it was very difficult. It's, it's about a man who has lost all faith in his country, but is still fighting to preserve it because he's joined the Loyal League and kind of him coming to terms with, you know, thinking about revenge and just kind of being completely nihilistic, but at the same time, still trying to work to preserve the country. And then the heroine is, um, she is Cuban and she's um, biracial, uh, but black presenting. Uh, Her father was a slave owner and he married her mom because that was legal in Cuba, whereas it wasn't legal in the United States. But obviously she grew up, uh, so she grew up in a different, completely different society. And she was actually recruited to be a spy for the Confederacy. Uh, And so when we meet her, she is supposedly, you know, going to spy for the Confederacy. So there's this whole, like, her coming to terms with, uh, 
ident her identity, her past, and her community, and what she really because she's she does she's not like a confederate. She that she has a reason why she was uh why she agreed to do this, um, which was to save her father. But um, so you know, there's a lot of grappling with I you know love of country and identity and uh, how you know cynicism and. Uh, not the easiest thing to write <laughs> in this current climate. So I think that's another thing, like thinking about what you can like mentally tolerate writing for a while. Because like you, you, the the current the contemporaries they do touch on some heavier issues, but mostly they are focused on like you know the romantic and romantic comedy aspect rather than. Uh, being solely focused, like, you know, in a Duke by default, like immigration and kind of like, and stuff like that is in the background, and it's kind of part of the motivations, but it's not the primary uh, focus of the book. Yeah. Well, I can identify with a lot of that because I like to flirt with lots of genres and tones and stuff, and I have a quote above my desk, which you might know about, um, because you're a Lin-Manuel Miranda fan as well. Um, but it's a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's um, that think of what's not in the world that needs to be in the world. Yeah. And that, that he asks himself that, I guess. And, um, and every once in a while I have to kind of stop and look at that quote and be like, is this what is not in the world, and is this what I want to put in the world? Yeah. And, um, Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And so that probably explains why there's a half-finished pile of manuscripts <laughs> in my documents <laughs> file. But um, I, think, I think you could do anything, and, um, and I'm looking forward to whatever you decide. Um, but with all of this, all these books you have to write, do you have time to read? I do. I actually, this thus far in 2018, I haven't read very much. Um, just because of lack of time um, and converging deadlines, which sounds like some kind of disease. And it is a disease, <laughs> converging deadlines. <laughs> I, I need an excuse, doctor. I have converging deadlines. I think it sounds really real. Um, I'm trying to think of the latest things that I've read and enjoyed. Um, let's see. I'm looking at my Kindle. Um, I read... One thing that is not new, but that I read recently, like I read at the toward the end of last year and really enjoyed, uh, was A Christmas Gone Perfectly Wrong by Cecilia Grant. Yes! I put that is, on my list, too. It's a perfect book. <laughs> Like, it's I love this so book good. so much. Um, and it's about, it's from Christmas, but I feel like you can read it at any time. It, like, the Christmas is not the point of the book. And, like, my favorite thing about it is it's really a super fast, when you look at it from the outside, it's, like, such a fast-paced relationship. It's over the course of a few days. Uh, like, I don't even know if it's a week. <laughs> it's, like, maybe yeah, four I think it might be days. three or four days, Yeah. <laughs> But it feels like a fully formed relationship, and um, at no point do you say, well, this is going a bit too fast. Uh, the pacing is perfect. And also, like, I like that in the background, it's a meditation on 
even though it's like this rushed relationship, the book overall is a meditation on marriage and relationships and what goes into them and what makes them strong. So I don't mm-hmm. know. It's really a perfect book and everyone, everyone should read that. I agree. Um, I think, yeah, it's about, I like the, I was going to say it was about family as well. Like yeah, how and you family, family. Too. Yeah. Because yeah. they both have such different family backgrounds and what they're looking for and, and um, yeah, it's lovely. Um, I will say that I will say that right now, um, the book that I started reading when I was not supposed to be reading, uh, that I I've only read the first two chapters, so I cannot vouch for the rest of the book if anything crazy or offensive happens, uh, you know, later on. But the first two chapters of um, this book called Heartbeat Braves by uh, Pamela Sanderson, and I believe it is Own Voices Native American. Um, the series is called Crooked Rock Book, Crooked Rock, and this is book one of the Crooked Rock series, and it's like kind of set around um, uh, the Crooked Rock Urban Indian Center, which is like a community center. Um, and like the first two chapters really pulled me in. And also I will say the reason I, but in addition to just thinking it had a really good, it sounded like a really good series, I went to the author's website and under the, you know how a lot of authors have the, you know, what people are saying about, you know, whatever author and on hers, it's like, what, what people are saying about Pamela Sanderson's books. And then all the quotes are like from her family. (laughs) It's it's just very like adorable. It's like her mom, you know, her sister, like, oh yeah, I guess I had to read it. And like, you know, her friends and stuff. And like the book is like, that could go very wrong, but it, the way it was done was very cute, and I was going to buy the book anyway, So, but I was like, okay, I'm definitely buying the book now because I enjoy this person's sense of humor. And so far, the book... Hmm? What genre is it? Or uh, it's contemporary. It? Contemporary romance. Oh, cute. And oh, yeah, cute. so I started the first one, Heartbeat Braves, and um, so far, so good. I'm really enjoying it. I had that the other day I was reading a book and I really was into it and liked it, but I couldn't tell anyone about it because I'm like, what if it gets really bad the last <laughs> half? I've got to finish it first I know. before. I generally don't because I have had some like bad experiences of being like, this is awesome. And then like something like awful happens like during the black moment. When people ask you for recommendations, is there someone or some, an author or a book that you always recommend? Um, I always recommend um, like, Beverly Jenkins, um, of course, but like her, I, her, I, I really, I haven't read Tempest yet, although I can already it's tell It's on my nightstand, I can't from, wait. <laughs> um, but I mean, Breathless, Mail Order Bride, come on. Mail Order Bride who shoots the, who shoots the hero, if you can't hear yes. the book. Um, but Breathless, um, before I would recommend Destiny's Captive, which I really enjoyed with like a Cuban pirate heroine. Um, I'm all over anything Cuban pirates. I mean, <laughs> who steals the hero ship at the beginning of the book. Um, uh, but Breathless, I really enjoyed because the hero is like, um, I don't know, the def- the classification of beta alpha. Uh, I don't know. He's he's like you know he fits. He's a, a a rancher type hero, a cowboy type hero who, 
you know, he's strong and like carries a gun and all that stuff, but is also super sweet and supportive of the heroine and her dreams. Like, and like, you know, they have like their chemistry and their banter and stuff, but like, uh, he's generally very just like, I'm here for you when you're ready. I'm ready to support your dreams. Uh, and yeah, Kent, I really love that hero in Breathless. Um, oh, that's right. He was the, that was the one with the sister of, okay, yeah. yes, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, bad with titles sometimes. Also, you know, Courtney Milan, all of her books. <laughs> um, I was just rereading Hold Me the other day, and which is one of her contemporaries in the Cyclone series, and it's just like, and she's one of my best friends, so, like, just that caveat, but, like, it's still, like, for me, it makes it even crazier sometimes, like, I'm reading this, and I'm just, like, overwhelmed, and I'm, like, I know this person who wrote this, like, amazing <laughs> thing, um, except now I get to go, you know, like, text her and be, like, oh, my God, you're amazing, um, but, yeah, so her, you know, her contemporary hold me, um, her Every Wish, one of the historical novellas, uh, the suffragette scandal. Basically, depending on you know, there's there's a different book you can recommend to people depending on their taste. Um, I I recommend books all the time. So. Yeah, you do. It's okay. You can be tired uh, of it. It's fine. Just, if you think of anything like, else. Oh no 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 no. Oh no, I'm not tired of it. I'm just like okay. what, I'm like there are so many that I can recommend. I'm having a hard time narrowing it down. Um Melissa Blue. Um Melissa Blue is like an amazing contemporary writer. Her books are so funny and engaging and dirty. Um so she has her um her Scottish, her Scottish heroes. Uh, I think the series is the first book is under his kilt, and it's usually free, or it has been free for a while. Um, it is. I just checked it. This one was just recommended to me the other day. What? Yeah, this somewhere seri- <laughs> I saw it someplace. Uh, I really love this series. She also has her um, like her nerdier series, and I think the next book might be kind of like a convergence of the two series the scott series and the dirty sexy geek series but um yeah her writing is really awesome and also she writes under uh the pen name the she also writes as dakota gray and wrote the book curve which is another amazing and really raunchy book <laughs> but also with like a really great emotional center because so um yeah melissa blue check her out uh Tasha L. Harrison, who has uh, the the first book in the series is In Her Closet. Um, I'm blanking on the name of this series, but uh, she writes, it's like contemporary uh, erotic romance. Um, Love the first book in the series, and I have not been able to read the last, the latest one, which uh, I need to look up the name of it, but it's has an interesting take of um, a black heroine and a black police officer and kind of dealing with the current events of, um, you know, police violence and things like that. Uh, but with a, ro- with 
a sexy romance, which seems incongruous, but <laughs> I'm I'm sure you she know, can pull it, it off. No, I'm making these noises because I just think it, it sounds really intense and yeah, um, like the feelings that must come up when you're. Well, I think the that truth of things. That's the name yeah. of the latest. The truth of things. Oh. Okay. And she's a really oh, like. Yeah. Her writing is just really awesome and evocative. And um, the first book in her closet, uh, the heroine is a writer um, who she works for like a local newspaper on the entertainment beat and also is secretly writing like a sexy blog. And then like there's an editor who wants her to turn the blog into a book and, you know, her and sparks fly between her and the editor. So, um but I think these are all within the same series. Like they're all connected. the Lust Diaries. Yes, the Lust Amazon. Diaries. Yes. Okay, got that one down. Because I love anything where you're like, it's funny and erotic, or it's intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and who else? Um, a relatively new author uh, who has been putting out some books that are. I did get to read some of. Uh, her name is Talia Hibbert. She is British, and her uh, she's had her one that people were talking about a lot that I started reading was really good is a uh, Bad for the Boss, and it's a workplace romance, but like kind of you know subverting all of those the icky aspects of the trope that and the heroine is plus size. Um, think the. I'm not describing this in like a really w- a way that is making people be like, yeah, I'm gonna go get that. But trust me, just go get it. Tell you ever. Um, and Melissa has good taste. <laughs> That's all you have to say. I have good taste. I would not. Would Alyssa steer, I would not steer, you, steer I, you wrong? Exactly, I would not steer you wrong. Um, <laughs> and the latest one that I got is uh, which I am planning to read as soon as I am done with my work is um, Undone by the Ex Con. Which, like, I'm usually, like, and I feel like with books dealing with, like, stuff like that, I'm usually, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I have to, like, trust the author not to do something that is going to be upsetting or, like, weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I trust her. I okay. have not read it yet. But I, I will say that I trust her. To, what I've read so far from her has been really good. And I think she has, like, a really strong understanding of tropes and consent and... um things like that so Talia Hebert check her out all right well I um you keep mentioning all the work you have to do so I'm feeling guilty um, <laughs> no no worries I'm sure you have you, work to do too I do but I was just wondering if you're ready for the lightning round I am ready okay I, I don't know if you need to <laughs> take some stretches or like uh take a drink of water uh, or something yeah okay I'm doing some me. like you know, chair twists things. Good. Oh, yeah, those are really <laughs> healthy. All right. Dark or milk chocolate? Ooh, I used to be a milk chocolate all the way. I used to be like, dark chocolate is pretentious. I don't know why. I just thought that. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thought. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> is it like a kale of chocolate? <laughs> Basically, I feel like I, people would always be like, oh, milk chocolate. And I'd be like, milk chocolate is fine. Don't judge milk chocolate. Um, but, you know, I really, now I prefer dark chocolate. I'm still, I still love milk chocolate and I will not turn my nose up at it. But, 
Sorry it's all chocolate. Let's just yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's very egalitarian of you. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Um, when your phone rings, do you answer it? No, <laughs> I Google the number <laughs> if I don't know. Oh yeah. I actually just saw a tweet about this the other day, and I was like, I'm not the only person who does this. Like, if a, a number. I don't know, calls me. I just wait for it to end and then I Google the number and try to see who it was. <laughs> I think a lot of the phone calls I get now have been because I've been a little bit um, politically active mm-hmm. in 2017 uh, for whatever causes. And mm-hmm. I think I gave my phone number out a lot and then now it's been sold and now I get really yeah. weird things from like random places in Missouri or... Um, <laughs> Los Angeles. I'm like, I don't know anybody there. Stop. (laughs) All right. Uh, Enough of that. Uh, How do you normally waste time on the internet? Um, This is very unfortunate, but, and I blame Nicole Cliffy from formerly of the toast who started tweeting about our relationships, which is a Reddit, a relationship forum on Reddit where people send, um, questions about their relationships and then like the commenters respond and this is like a black hole (laughs) it will suck you in and I mean like especially for writers you're who you're generally obsessed with the inner workings of people's minds and this is just straight you know straight up people being like here is this problem I have and like I it's just fascinating and then seeing how people respond and like you know, seeing these patterns and relations, once you read it over a certain period of time, seeing the patterns that emerge from, like, certain relationship types. And, like, it's so bad. It's a complete waste of time. (laughs) But, like, when I need to kind of, like, unplug or, like, um, just have, like, some free time, I am generally looking at that or, like, Dear Prudence from Mallory Ortberg. So basically the toast sucked up all my free time. <laughs> and you can tell yourself you're still doing research. Oh, yeah, is, I mean, in a way, <laughs> in a way it is. Observing human nature. Um, I do not have any our relationship inspired stories, but mostly I'm just like, oh, no, no. <laughs> three years don't, from don't, now, something you, with them. three years from now, something you read on our relationships is going to be in a book. I bet. That's true. It's, it's in there someplace. <laughs> it's in your subconscious now. But anyone listening to this, do not go look at it because then you will become obsessed with it. And I will it say, will I over. think I've stumbled in there a few times following Twitter discussions or something. And um, yeah, I could definitely tell it was, it was someplace where people spend a lot of time. <laughs> Uh, and including uh, my esteemed guest today. Okay, uh, do you call it do you call it soda or pop? Uh, soda. On a cover, do you prefer abs, forearms, or a chiseled jaw? I think we know the answer to this one is forearms. That's right. <laughs> Would you prefer a wedding invitation to Prince Harry's wedding or Princess Eugenie's wedding? Um, Prince Harry's wedding is going to be more fun. I mean, nothing against Eugenie, but I don't know her very well. I don't know her. I'm obviously BFF with Harry and Meghan. Yes. (laughs) I think you could be. All right. Very important. Wait. 
we didn't, I was going to ask you this earlier. Hold on. Hold on, lightning round. Okay. Um, are, is anyone at your publisher trying to get your book to Megan? Just wondering. I mean, I know she has a lot of things she's doing, but. Uh, I don't know. They should be, though. I know. Yeah, someone somehow. should be on that. <laughs> you just need, like, one picture of her holding your book, and you beat <laughs> Us Magazine. Yeah. Princesses, just I'm, like I'm going to, like, get off this call and be like, hey, can you send this book to me somehow? <laughs> There's got to be, yeah. I think she would like it. I think she would definitely. Or this one or the, and actually just the whole series. Just send her a box set. <laughs> okay. Uh, very important. Last question. What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first? No. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I am not a fan. I do not. Un- I, uh, I cannot understand how people do it. I, you know, I'm. Everyone is free to, to read as they wish, but when someone tells me they read the end of a book first, I cringe on the inside because I can't. I personally cannot. And with that, we will end our interview. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to share your love of a book with the world, you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment. Or, this is the fun part, I have an actual phone number in our show notes. Call, leave a message about a book that you loved and you want the world to know about, and I will try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast, which, after all, is all about reading and readers. This is Lindsay Emery on Women With Books. Keep reading.